Hello and welcome to Minnesota Swine and You podcast series, a University of Minnesota Extension swine program. Today's podcast is a research update on how feeding programs can affect sustainability of pork production. My name is Sarah Sheik Belke, your host, and I'm a swine extension educator with the University of Minnesota. Joining me today is Edward Yang, who is a PhD candidate in the Department of Animal Science. To get us started today, Edward, will you tell us a little bit about yourself, including who you have been working with through your PhD program? Thank you, Sarah, for having me. Hello, everyone. My name is Edward, and I am a PhD candidate at the University of Minnesota Department of, uh, Department of Animal Science, and I work with Drs. Jerry Sherson and Pedro Uriola. Uh, my focus is on swine nutrition, but I also have a minor in business management because I always want to combine science and business together and see how we can help the pork producers. And uh, I'll be glad to share my research with you today. Great, thank you. And correct me if I'm wrong, but you did your master's work also at the University of Minnesota, is that correct? Yes, it is. So I finished my master's in 2018 with the same advisors, Dr. Jerry Sherson and Pedro Uriola. And actually Sarah and I recorded a, a podcast on my master program back then. Yes, I remember that. So today, this is your second time around that I've got you <laughs> to yeah. record a podcast with me. And I thank you for your willingness to do that because it's one of the ways that I am able to get the great research that's being done by both our faculty as well as students at the University of Minnesota and sharing that with not only the pork industry in Minnesota, but as well as you know, podcasts can be heard anywhere so I'm sure there's producers in other states as well that exactly. listen in. So, so thank you for sharing. So what research topic will you be sharing with us today? So as uh, Sarah, as you mentioned earlier, today I will be talking about how feeding programs can change sustainability of pork production. And this is actually a very broad concept because um, sustainability and climate change, no doubt, are what the topics that the consumers talk and discuss and care about these days. And with animal agriculture being attacked by many groups, this is our chance to tell them our story. Thank you. Um, like you mentioned, yes, yeah, sustainability is top of mind, not only in the pork industry these days, but other industries as well. And as you probably are aware of, National Pork Board as well as the industry as a whole, has their on-farm sustainability reports as an in initiative for yep. producers to get a better idea of their sustainability efforts on farms. But we'll talk about your research today. And before we get too far, of course, research cannot be mm -hmm. completed unless we've got a funding source. And it's always good to give a shout out and a thank you to that funding source. So are you able to share... Um, how is this research being funded? Yep. So this research is actually funded by the United Soybean Board. And uh, fortunately, several students like me and our advisors 
helped us in the whole process of writing this grant. And uh, it's really a good practice for the students because we started the draft, but of course the advisors should take most credit, but it's a great, great practice. Yes, it is. Because like you mentioned, you're a PhD candidate. So after this, either you might be looking for a faculty position or continuing right. in industry in a research role. And you'll most likely be applying for, for funding grants there as well. Yep. So can you give a brief introduction about your research, explaining why it was a valuable project to do? Yeah, of course. So let's start with some data. According to the FAO, food animal agriculture contribute to about 14.5% of the total human-induced greenhouse gas emission every year. Of course, dairy and beef are the two largest contributors, but poultry and swine each contribute about 9% of that, which is not a lot, but still considerable. But about 50% of the total greenhouse gas from animal production came from feed, either feed production, processing, or transportation. So if there's a way we can select feed ingredients that have less environmental impact, it can bring huge opportunities to reduce the total emission of animal agriculture. Right? And secondly, pig, even though very efficient animal of uh, you know, producing protein, it's not very efficient in converting protein in the feed into protein in the pork because several studies have shown that pigs can only retain about 30 to 45% of the total nitrogen they consume. And the rest 55 to 75% will be wasted. Even though we have proper uh, manure management processes, we might be able to help recycle some nitrogen, still a significant portion will be emitted and be converted into a compound called nitrous oxide, N2O. And it is a very natural greenhouse gas because if you think about methane, cattle industry got criticized a lot for the methane emission, but methane is only 28 times worse than carbon dioxide. And nitrous oxide from the pig manure is actually 265 times worse than carbon dioxide, make it much, much worse than methane as a greenhouse gas. So now we know the problem. We as nutritionists wonder if ingredient selection or diet formulation can make a difference in the environmental impact of pork industry. But if we can't measure it, we can't improve it. And we can't even tell the consumers exactly quantified numbers. So to win their trust or help us help our industry improve, we need to find a way to quantify those changes. A life cycle assessment, it's a holistic accounting method that can quantify environmental impact and guide decision-making. And that's the new approach we are taking into our research. And back to the very beginning, sustainability. Everybody defines that concept differently. But to me, sustainability is a balance among the planet, the people, the pig, and profit. So we can't sacrifice too much because pork producers also need to survive, right? So in this term, we have to combine the profitability of pork production 
efficiency of pork production on and also environmental impact together in a systems thinking way. And then we can guide our uh, stakeholders decision making. And that's how we want this research to start. And uh, back to the actual research, what diet formulation can we change? So in fact, uh, soybean meal has been the golden standard in swine diets for many, many decades. But some people have started criticizing soybean meal being not sustainable. And then we have many ways to replace soybean meal in the diet. For example, low protein diets, where we can use synthetic amino acid to reduce the soybean use and reduce crude protein content and reduce nitrogen emission. But also there are problems with low protein diets. The diets may not be as efficient or the pigs might not perform the same. So we have to keep that in mind. And, and another strategy to replace soybean meal is the use of distiller screens, DDGS. And uh, recent, in recent years, we have found that with the use of DDGS, actually there is a problem with the branch chain amino acids. There are three amino acids, leucine, isoleucine, and valine, that they share uh, catabolism pathways and the DDGS have very high leucine, which will impact the feed intake and gain of the pigs. So research around different universities in the US have started looking at, can we counter the effect? Can we add synthetic amino acid also to improve that nitrogen efficiency? So in this research, we combine all these different feeding programs together. We wanna look at if they affect growth performance, if effects, nutrient utilization, and most importantly, does it affect uh, environmental impact? And then we combine all this together to guide our decision-making. Very interesting, and thank you for that background. So now, can you share, how did you complete this study? Yep, of course. So this is not an easy project because we actually split it into three parts. The first part is a traditional growth performance and carcass uh, study where we did in Morris, Minnesota at the West Central Research and Outreach Center of University of Minnesota. Uh, we had uh, a group of pigs last in 2021 in the summer, and we conducted a four-phase growing uh, grow finish trial. And those pigs were fed four diets I mentioned, a corn soy diet, a low protein diet, a DDGS diet, and a DDGS diet supplemented with synthetic uh, isoleucine, valine, and tryptophan to counter effect that branch chain amino acid imbalance. And uh, then we harvest those pigs to look at the carcass because the, the growth and the carcass will impact how pork producers can get their paycheck back, right? So that's the first portion of that study. The second portion we did in uh, Wasika, Minnesota at the Southern Research Outreach Center of the University of Minnesota in the metabolism unit, where we housed the, the pigs in metabolism crates and measured their nitrogen and phosphorus balance and look at how efficient these animals, and the grower pigs especially, can utilize these nutrients and how much they will excrete. And once we have that information, we combine the results from the first two 
the actual growth performance and the actual nutrient utilization into a life cycle assessment model. And this will help us calculate the environmental impacts of different diets and specific diets because we keep everything else the same. And by doing this, we can generate information on economically important data like growth performance and carcass. We can get nutrient utilization efficiencies and also environmental impact parameters. It sounds like you are quite busy with all these different projects. Yes. So last year for me, it's quite busy and we have labor shortage. We have all the supply chain disruptions and people may remember climate change actually impacted our industry because last summer we have several heat waves and droughts and everything, you know, and the pigs suffer and the crops suffer and everything else. So it's quite a year. <laughs> yes, but you obviously were able to complete those studies because otherwise you wouldn't be talking to me today about what results you have. So please share with us the results of your studies. Yep, and I will walk you through each study, the three portions. So the first one is the growth performance. We grow those pigs from 35 kilograms or about 60 pounds all the way to market weight at 125 kilogram or 260 pounds. And uh, because of the heat stress during last summer, those pigs might grow a little bit slower, um, but all pigs were uh, impacted the same way. So look at the growth performance data. The pigs fed corn soybean meal diet actually have the highest final body weight as we expected. And the pigs fed the DDGS diet actually had the lowest numerical uh, final body weight. But there was no differences in every daily gain and every daily feed intake. The only difference we observed was gain to feed ratio, the efficiency. So that is uh, the growth performance. And then we harvest those pigs to look at the carcass. And uh, we did not observe differences among carcass weight, yield percentage, fat-free lean. So this is telling us with this one first study, we can formulate diets to achieve similar growth performance and carcass characteristics. And so even when we change diets, we don't have to sacrifice performance or your paycheck. And the second study, we look at the nitrogen and the phosphorus utilization. Actually, this information uh, agree with what other studies have found that low protein diets actually have the highest nitrogen utili uh, utilization rate because the diet have less nitrogen, the pigs will try to use it more efficiently. And the, the diet with corn soybean meal diet have the highest nitrogen retention per day, but because the pigs were eating more nitrogen out of the diet, they also excreted more. And for phosphorus, we did not observe much differences in excretion uh, because phytase was added in all diets. So they were impacted the same way. And also take blood from those pigs after the trial. And we look at the blood urea nitrogen, which is a good indicator of how poor or good that diet protein quality. And the pigs fed low protein diet had the low, lowest body of blood urea nitrogen, which means they utilize the nitrogen pretty efficiently. So 
With data from the second study, we know we can formulate diets to achieve similar growth performance, but change efficiency or improve nitrogen efficiency. And then we combine all this actual primary data or firsthand data into the life cycle assessment calculation model. And we specifically did Minnesota, like how the ingredients were transported from the local area to our feed mill and to our pig barn in Minnesota. We can only do at state level. We can't go to county or even smaller geographical area because that's the limitation of the model, but it's good enough for now, right? And then the model will calculate the uh, output and in, in the mathematical model, which is beyond my knowledge. Um, and, but when we look at the results, we look at several important parameters. First is that climate change impact. And this is something everybody talk about these days, carbon and climate change. And uh, to manufacture the feed, we need to burn fossil fuel, which um, in, in, um, impact that climate change. And, Many other processes with like along the supply chain will also produce greenhouse gas that change climate change. And uh, by combining all these things together, we get one number and which is a kilogram of carbon dioxide equivalent. And you might hear that number very, very often in the future from all different kinds of labels. But in this study specifically, we use that corn soybean meal diet as a reference and compare with the other three feeding programs. And to our surprise, the corn soybean meal diet actually have the least impact on climate change. And uh, that is because when we look at low protein diet or DDGS diet, the production of the synthetic amino acid or the production of distillers all are run by machineries or factories or plants that run on fossil fuel or non-renewable energies and emits uh, greenhouse gas. So that is not too surprising. But the bottom line is corn soybean meal diet actually have the lowest impact on climate change. But also there are other parameters we look at, for example, acidification. When the carbon is not going to the atmosphere, to form those uh, greenhouse gas, it might combine with liquids and other forms of uh, materials and cause acid rains, which is a term that most people are familiar with. And that's also an environmental concern. If the environment is too acidic and the nature doesn't have the ability to neutralize it, then we will see problems. And uh, with our data, we saw that low protein diet actually have the lowest impact on acidification. And then the next one we look at is water use. And this is quite important because last year people may remember we have droughts and the water were used, uh, water use were limited, right? So this is quite important when we talk about the environment. And, and the water use measurement is quite straightforward, the amount of water use that's required in all different processes. And uh, because ethanol plants actually need a lot of water to ferment that corn into this uh, into ethanol, they require water. So all these diets with DDGS actually have an increase in water use, while the corn soy diet and the low protein diets are okay. They have the lower 
uh, water use impacts. And also we looked at fossil resource use, which means non-renewable energy. And uh, similar to, to the previous one, because the production of distillers were, were run by plants that require a lot of energy, the diets with distillers have higher fossil resource use, while the product, uh, DDG, uh, the corn soybean meal diet and low protein diet does not have that high impact on fossil resource use. So the last one uh, we, we will be talking about is land use, and land use is oftentimes associated with deforestation because there is a competition for land between agriculture and the many other industries and our own humans. But this is not a common issue in the United States, but in the Amazon rainforest. Uh, however, as a crop requires the most, most land use in most cases, and all diets that replace soybean meal can achieve various degrees of reduction on the land use requirement. So the corn soybean meal diet actually have the highest impact on land use, while the DDGS diet where we replaced a significant amount of soybean meal have less requirements on land use. And if we go to countries like Brazil, then there will be a totally different story, or Europe, because they import a lot of soybean meal from Brazil. So that's the th three different studies. And in conclusion, we want to say that we can formulate environmentally friendly diets that we can improve nitrogen efficiency without compromising productivity. And also a new tool we used in this study, it's life cycle assessment. And you might be hearing this more and more often, but climate change, carbon footprint, we talk about all the time. And for pork producers, a large pork production, if your goal is to a lower carbon footprint, in this study, maybe we suggest that corn soybean meal is the feeding program that we should use. But in other places or other companies, land use or water use was more limited, then you may have to choose a different strategy. So with the information we generated from this study, people can make different decisions based on what they really want. And uh, another future direction in Europe, actually, many institutes have started the formulation programs called multi-objective formulation, where environmental impact is actually a parameter that they can put in their diet formulation. So when they look at diet formulation, they not only look at the price, availability, or nutrient level, they also look at how environmental friendly it is. And that might be a future direction for us in the United States. Um, and uh, to just summarize exactly what we discussed as a whole, I just want to tell people that uh, all the sustainability stuff that we're talking about is not a number game. For example, Sarah, you mentioned National Pork Board have the We Care program, and we have the sustainability report, and several Minnesota pork large pork producers publish their annual sustainability reports. And they're not just playing with numbers. We're trying to find ways that we can Im actually implant improvements. Thank you. Lots of information that you gleaned from the, the different 
projects that made up your larger research project. So I know you already um, gave some of the conclusions. So is there any other conclusions that can be made from your study that maybe you have not talked about yet? Yep, yep. So um, in, well, in, when I was discussing the results of my studies, I'm focused more on exactly what information extracted from the research. But from a broader sense, at the University of Minnesota, we focus a lot on sustainability of pork production. And uh, that, that's the reason why I want to also bring a, a take-home message for all our producers that sustainability in pork production should be done in many ways that we adopt different things like renewable energy, feeding programs, manure management. But as nutritionists, we believe that feed or diet formulation can make an impact. And uh, within our peak world, many initiatives are emerging because key players are taking actions towards more sustainable systems. Um, like I just mentioned, National Pork Board, large pork producers, feed companies, companies in ally industries, they're all publishing annual sustainability reports. Not only to show the progress we have made, but also earn the trust from our customers. Because at the end of the day, someone have to pay for it. And if our consumers know what we're doing, they may be willing to be that part. And uh, as an industry, there are a lot of things we can do and we need to do. But uh, right now, people might be skeptical about things we're doing. But from my perspective, we are on the right direction. We are doing the right things. We might need take some time to get things implemented and have people really understand uh, the, you know, the information and the bigger impact we can make. Great. Thank you. So why are these results that you shared important takeaways? Why are they important? First of all, feed. As again, we showed that feed alone might be able to uh, guide our decision-making and help pork industries be more sustainable. And the second, we showed that these are not easy decisions because when you look at growth performance, which is linked to your uh, profitability of a pig farm, and nutrient efficiency, which is mainly about how we can utilize resources and also environmental impact. One diet might not be able to solve all problems, but with the information we have, people can choose a feeding program that feeds their own need. And to my knowledge, those informations are not available in a broader way of sense. So we are probably one of the first groups to actually combine those things together and be like, hey, now we have all this information. You can pick something that meets uh, your need. So it's been very interesting um, hearing about your research today, Edward. So I want to thank you for your time um, and willingness to record with me since you have recorded a podcast with me previously on your master's research. So to wrap up our discussion here today, are there any closing remarks that you would like to make? Well, so I want to end my talk with this statement that there are changes we need to do. And this change can be business opportunities because 
sustainability, again, it's not playing with numbers. It's actual things we are going to change how we do things and influence our next generations. And I would encourage a lot of the pork producers to go out and talk to your, for example, extension educators like Sarah and National Pork Board and Minnesota Pork Board and really learn about what we are doing in the area of sustainability. Great. Thank you. And thank you, Edward, for putting that plug in about sustainability, because, yeah, that's one of the things that not only myself, but then also Diane DeWitt, the other swine extension educator. Yeah, working with National Pork Board and Minnesota Pork on the on-farm sustainability reports that the industry currently has an, as an initiative. So that's good to tie all of that in to not only what's going on in the industry now, but then also your research and helping to get the point across on, on how important your research is to what the industry is currently working on. So thank you. And I want to thank you again for your willingness to record a podcast with me on how feeding programs can affect sustainability of pork production. And I'd also like to thank those listening to the University of Minnesota Swine and You podcast. This has been Sarah Sheik Belke, Swine Extension Educator, along with Edward Yang, a PhD candidate in the Department of Animal Science. To further connect with the University of Minnesota Swine Extension, please visit the swine-specific webpages on the University of Minnesota Extension's website at www.extension.umn.edu backslash swine. And on those pages, you'll find connections to our blog and Facebook page. To learn about research being done by our swine faculty in veterinary medicine, please visit their Swine in Minnesota blog at www.umnswinenews.com.